For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sports Ethos Kings podcast. This is Jill and we are going to get rolling right into our next candidate. Um, Today we're going to be talking about Mike Brown. I know some of you like them. Um, some of you are meh. That's kind of where, you know, I am. And then others already uh, uh, don't want to, um, you know, touch his name with the 10 foot pole. I get it when it comes to quote unquote retreads, you know, everybody kind of has their opinions based on what they've seen so far. So um, all I'm going to do today is kind of give you, um, you know, his history, what he's done with teams. Again, I'm not here to sell you on anybody. Um, take, take what you will, but, um, yeah, here's, here's a little bit on Mike Brown. So Brown graduated, uh, from the university of San Diego in 1992, uh, with a degree in business. He played basketball there for two seasons at USD, um, after spending two years at Mesa community college. Something interesting about him is before he attended um, USD, he actually went to high school in Germany at the Würzburg American High School, where he played basketball and football. So after he graduated um, at the young age of 22, he was hired for my personal favorite position. I think you all know this by now, and you're probably saying it aloud. Yes, a video coordinator. So he was hired as a video coordinator with the Denver Nuggets, and he spent five seasons there total, both with the job title of video coordinator and scout. Uh, So then in 1997, he was given his first assistant opportunity with the Wizards, and um, he lasted there for two more years. So... um, and that was at the age of 27. So that kind of gave him his first taste of coaching. So after two years there, um, Greg Popovich reached out and asked him to come be an assistant on his bench where he spent three years. And so while he uh, had his time there uh, with the Spurs, he was also their head uh, summer league coach in both Boston and Salt Lake City. Those were two cities they played summer leagues in at the time. And then his last season there, he was part of the championship 2003 team. Not much is known about what he did, particularly on pop staff, as that's always hard to find. But um, again, he was there for three years. And I will say he obviously did enough to be noticed because at the age of 33 in 2003, Brown was hired and promoted 
as an associate head coach under Rick Carlisle with the Indiana Pacers. So at 33, we see him get his first promotion as an assistant. And um, Indiana went to back-to-back playoff appearances, including a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2004. And um, some of you might not know, but Brown was actually the coach that followed Ron Artest into the stands um, during the big uh, brawl between the Pacers and the Pistons. So again, he did enough on Popovich's bench to get the promotion uh, with the Pacers. And then after spending just two years there, um, he obviously caught the eye. And at the age of 35, he got his first head coaching position. Now I will say out of all the coaches I've talked about so far, um, none of them have probably had this much coaching experience or opportunity uh, by the age of 35 at that point. Um, besides maybe, uh, Adelman. Um, and that's just from being, you know, around his dad, but he started right after college as well, but, um, getting your first head coaching gig at 35 is pretty impressive. So, um, what was Brown actually given the task of, oh, no big deal. Just LeBron James. And so Brown replaced, um, Brendan Malone as the head coach. And some of you might know that name because that is the father of former Kings coach, Mike Malone. So, um, and he spent some time here as, uh, Malone's, um, advisor while he was coaching here. And so, uh, when Brown arrived in Cleveland, the key, uh, the Cavs had missed the playoffs, um, in LeBron's first two seasons in the NBA. Um, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Um, they hadn't made the playoffs since 98 and under Brown, that first season, they won 50 games and went to the playoffs. They actually won their first round series. So that was impressive. Um, the next season, they went to the playoffs again, and they actually defeated the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals and advanced the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. However, they were swept but in four games by his former team, the San Antonio Spurs. Now, something interesting about that is when it comes to pop in the finals, Larry Brown was the first and only time pop had faced a coach in which he was an actual assistant for. And then with Mike Brown, that was the first and only time he's faced one of his former assistants. So um, pretty crazy when you think about the pop coaching tree that Mike Brown is actually the first and only um, one of his former assistants that he has faced as an actual head coach. Um, in the finals. So kudos to Brown there. In 2009, Brown was named NBA coach of the year after guiding the Cavs to a league high in franchise best 66 and 16 record. The Cavs won a league high 61 games the next year. Um, However, the team was eliminated by the Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, And with that loss, the Cavs became the first team in NBA history to win 60 games and back-to-back seasons without actually advancing to the finals. Um, Brown was then fired due um, to Dan Gilbert's wanting to lure LeBron James back to Cleveland and under Brown's, but I will say under Brown's leadership, the Cavs made it um, past the first round of the NBA playoffs for five consecutive seasons. So yes, they didn't get the big ring, but um, you can say he technically got them, you know, where they were supposed to go for, for the five seasons he was there. So 
Um, next up, we have him uh, being offered the Lakers position in 2011. He agreed to succeed Phil Jackson as the head coach. And that season was actually shortened to 66 games because of the lockout. Um, but the Lakers uh, made it to the playoffs and they actually made it to the second round. Now, um, something interesting is going into that next season. Uh, what Brown says is prior to that 2012, 2013 season, Brown actually decided that the Lakers would use a version of the Princeton offense. Now as Kings fans, we know that we love that shout out to coachy. Um, but what happens is shortly after, uh, the Lakers acquired all-star Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, giving them a starting lineup of five former all-stars where we heard this one before. So, uh, they combined for 33 all-star game appearances and it was Nash, Dwight Howard, Kobe, uh, Gasol and meta world peace. Although immediately considered top title, uh, contenders, the Lakers struggled to adjust to the changes in both the system and the new personnel and were winless in their eight preseason games. Um, unfortunately the team's issues continue, or I could say, fortunately, the team's con uh, issues continued into the start of the regular season with the team losing four of its five first games. Nash had only played one and a half games due to his injury. Howard was playing, but recovering from back surgery. Bryant was playing, um, with an injured foot and couldn't practice. So, um, in November 9th, 2012, Brown was fired. Um, the Lakers had, you know, they felt that urgency given that these, you know, the all-stars they had accumulated were all aging and on the back half of their career. Um, or at least that's, you know, what was suspected at the time. Um, Howard's pending free agency, Jerry Buss's health. Um, and so after five games, uh, Brown was fired and it became, it was actually the third fastest coaching change in NBA history. So that season very much gave off similar vibes to me for, for this year, except the difference was, is they actually let Frank Vogel coach it out. Um, they did him dirty, I would say, but they let him coach it out. And so just interesting kind of seeing uh, history repeat itself there. Um, so what happened next was in 2013, Brown was actually rehired by the Cavs, replacing Byron Scott and owner uh, Dan Gilbert at the time said that firing Brown the first time was a huge mistake. Um, and so this was the first time under Brown um, that his team posted a losing record over an 82 game season. Um you know, based on their reports, you know, and what a lot of their, their media said that that season was marred by injuries. There was a lot of infighting in the locker room. Um, and for a second time, um, he was then fired the next year by Gilbert, but I will say not even necessarily defense to him, but just in general, um, as much as there was all those issues going down, um, the Cavs still improved nine games um, and their defense went from 27th to 19th. So we've had plenty of those kind of 
things happen with the Kings where, you know, we've had injuries and infighting and all that. But during that time, we don't win nine additional games and our defense sure as hell doesn't improve. So, you know, just throwing that out there that credit to him, if you didn't necessarily see the wins, but he actually still made them better um, in win total and actual defense. But Something that's that's interesting is uh, that was his, again, first time as a head coach where he didn't win at least 54% of his games and um, won playoff series. So, uh, again, there were chemistry issues with that roster before he got there, while he got there, and unfortunately for Dan Gilbert, they did not stop after Brown left. So, um what the Warriors then did was in 2016, they hired um, Brown as an assistant. But one thing is interesting is, so he was fired in 2014 and you know who grabbed him and kept him around the facility prior to the Warriors hiring him, Greg Popovich and the Spurs. So say what you will, you know, hired, firing, all that. Pop still thought enough of him to bring him back and keep him around that team and the Spurs saw a championship during that time. So again, just throwing that out there, uh, 2016, again, like I said, the Warriors hired him as an assistant. He actually replaced one Luke Walton who (laughs) departed for his head coaching position with the Lakers. Uh, Brown's acted, um, as an acting head coach during the time Steve Kerr was out similar to what we saw with Walton. Um, Brown led the Warriors to a 12-0 record. Uh, They made it to the playoffs, obviously. Um, They won a championship that year, beating the Cavs. So, you know, that had to feel good for Brown that you let me go and I just won, you know, I just beat you. And then the Warriors went back to the finals in 2018 and defeated the Cavs again. And so, again, you know, he felt good about that one. Um, Something you know, that, that Brown is very known for is his defense. And so, um, I can understand while people have reservations about offense. And I would say, if you were to hire him, you're hiring for him, his defensive philosophies. And to me, that's where you hire a really good associate, um, assistant that specializes in offense. Like that's to me, that's how you would balance that out. So again, I don't need my coach to be the Jack of all trades. As long as you can be really good at one thing and you hire a staff around you, that's, you know, will compliment you. Then, um, we've seen that plenty of times that that's has been a recipe for success for others. So, um, something that, that Brown does under his defense um, the defenses he's led. So he's had six teams that he's coached finish in a top five. Um, he's had four teams finish between, uh, spot six and 10. He's had six teams finish between 10 and 15. So just that right there, you're still right. You're, you're average or better than average. Um, and he only had two teams out of all those seasons of, um, where they finished below average. So out of 18 seasons that we can say he had a hand in that team's defense based on 
um, you know, what we're able to research and, and record of those teams saying he had, you know, his fingerprints on it. In 18 seasons, only two of his defenses finished below average. Okay. The Kings have had a 16 year drought where they haven't finished below 20 once. So again, regardless of what you think about him, his, his defenses do the talking. So, um, you know, the Warriors lost Durant, they haven't had clay and they still, he still managed to help them finish to a five, a top five in defense. And that's with Kevin Looney at six, nine, uh, Draymond at six, six, and only having wise men for 39 games. So, um, as they're big. So to me, what that shows is he can be flexible in, uh, in how he, uh, you know, puts his defenses together that just because you don't necessarily have that length doesn't mean um, that you can't play defense, but that also falls on, again, your surrounding staff. Like the Warriors have really good perimeter defense. So um, that's something the Kings would have to be better at if, if they did hire him. Like that's anyone they hired, the Kings need better defenders. So that's, that's not really a question. Um, something I thought that was interesting is, um, there was uh, an article in one of the Bay Area newspapers, and it was about what the Warriors staff is doing right now in terms of defense. And so I'm going to read you this little piece. So it says, the Warriors analytics staff has put together a defensive metric for each player. It's a muddled formula that takes into account performance and isolation settings, how well you hold your assignment above or below his normal shooting average and some other defensive factors, spitting out a number for every player that can be improved or hurt depending on performance. So I would love the Kings to be able to pull that one together. So what Brown does is he makes everybody's number public. The entire team knows who's doing well, who isn't, who's improving, and who's slipping. He's direct. He will call you out in film backed by his boisterous on-court leader. So what Draymond says is Mike Brown challenged everyone. He has this little metric sheet guys are on. He's challenging guys every day. Every game, there is a defensive play of the game. There's a defensive play of the week. There's a player of the month. All of these things. He's making it fun and competitive. I think it's incredible. That's accountability. And then following through with rewards for people that are doing it. Like, I love that. So regardless, Brown, no Brown, I would love the Kings to pull something like that, where, I mean, you actually have them saying they're making defense be fun. Like, I think we can all agree. That's what we would love to see. So, um, again, that's a little, uh, info on Brown. There's, there's a lot of information out there about him. So, um, I encourage you to, to go check it out. I might've changed some minds. I might not have, but again, um, I don't think he's the worst name out there. And as you know, I can, any, any of these guys I'm talking about, I can pretty much be sold on, on what they're doing. I, I just do think that one of the biggest things is you're not just hiring this. It's what you do with the rest of the assistant staff as well. And I think that's going to be just as important. So, um, again, thank you guys for listening and, um, Tune in next week and I will have some more names for you. Bye guys. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.